if I haven't met you yet, my name is Nancy, and yes, I am the lead pastor here at Searchlight. <laughs> a little crazy. Anyway, we're going to talk about sex today, and I like talking about sex because sex is awesome, and God made sex, and guess what? God thinks sex is awesome. So, but I think that there's a lot of misunderstandings about this. I think even, don't, haven't you seen people relate or maybe you've related in a way that you think that we're supposed to not even like sex? That somehow it's a bad thing, that sex is bad, sex is evil. You ever feel like sex and God are kind of separate? Well, they're not. God made sex and... <clears throat> He even made, actually I want to start off in um, Genesis 1 in verse 31. This is on the sixth day when God made everything. It says in verse 31, it says, Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. It was very good. Guess what? In that everything he made were things like breasts, um, do you know, it's funny because a lot of times people even think that sex is not supposed to be fun or enjoyable, and yet God made a clitoris that does nothing else. It functions for no other purpose than to have an orgasm. So, guess what? God meant for sex to be a good thing, and it meant, and, and the intention of it, though, is in relationship. I believe that one of the issues in our culture that's been really hurtful more and more, and I'm in the entertainment business, so I see this a lot in television and in movies, is that people are trying to separate sex from relationship and from closeness and to just make it that it's just a physical thing, and that's where people get really hurt. Have you noticed that in sex people get hurt a lot too? You know, there's been some horrific, some of the most horrible things, you know, child abuse you know, comes out from misusing sex and separating it out from what God's intentions were. Um, <clears throat> let's go to another verse in Genesis 2 and verse 24. We see um, how God made people, a little bit more about that. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God designed <clears throat> sex to be a part of what welds people together in relationship. That was the intention. God's about love. God's about relationship. God's about closeness. And God wants to, to enjoy that. So sex was a part of what God designed to be really as close as you possibly can be. And he even talks about when you get married because God designed sex for marriage, and I know that that sounds really archaic, and I totally understand. I, I believe that myself for a long time, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But God's idea, if you think about this, just imagine for a moment, his intention was that people would never experience the intimacy of sex outside of people making a commitment to spend their lives together. If you can imagine what it would be like, because I know that it doesn't happen a lot in our culture today, but imagine what it would be like to never, if you're married or have had sex before, to never ever make love ever in your whole life or see another person naked except 
the person that you're deeply in love with and you've committed to spend your whole life with, what that would be like. What it would be like to share that with only that one person, even the physical part of sex helps weld that as far as the one flesh <clears throat> of a man being inside of a woman. That's kind of intense and intimate. And it's made, that word is, when it talks about, um, in that verse that we just read, it said to be joined, it's to be welded to his wife and they shall become one flesh. That God's intention was that they would be welded together never to be separated. And a big part of that and the safety of it is in the commitment of what would it be like if you knew that that person was never going anywhere, that, that, that you were going to spend your life with them and work things out. Now, welding, I don't, I, my understanding is that when you weld two pieces of metal together, that the weld is actually stronger than the, than the metal. And if you pull those apart, it actually will rip the metal before it'll rip the weld. So that is, it, it's interesting that the, the precision with God's word is that that's how God intended it to be. So what happens, and you see this when uh, people have sex with different people, is you're ripping something apart, putting, you know, over and over and over again, that people become calloused, and people become calloused about sex. God meant for sex to open your heart up and allow you to be vulnerable and to feel really safe with another person in a way that you've never shared with anybody else. And yet the fact that people keep treating it like it's nothing and it's physical steals from that, from that intimacy and that closeness, that people get calloused about sex. You know, it's interesting because I did gang ministry for 15 years, and one of the things that was really surprising you know, because I work with kids that are, were hard, you know, like everybody, <clears throat> you know, a lot of those people are doing time right now for murder. These are people that hard. And yet a lot of the boys, there were three boys in particular that I'm thinking about right now. <clears throat> everybody assumed that they had had sex because, you know, they were hard, you know, they, they were gangbangers. They, you know, and um, they, were, they were doing drugs and doing crime and all these other things, but they were virgins. And... All three guys, the first time that they had sex, the, it's interesting because they're totally different personalities. They had sex with a, with a girl that had tons of other sex. They were 14 years old and 14, 15. And so what happened is they felt deeply in love with that girl the first time that they had sex. And I got, in all three, no, I should, two, two of the three instances, I got suicide calls from those guys because... They opened their heart, fell deeply in love, like it just made them vulnerable in a way that they had never experienced before. And the girl had had sex with tons of different people, so they didn't really think it was that big of a deal and, you know, continued to go on and have sex with all these other people. So they, you know, called up, I got two suicide calls uh, from, both, from two of the three guys because their heart got so broken, because it meant so much to them, but it meant nothing to the girl. Now, mind you, this is a complete reverse of what we think about as far as culture goes, but to me, it, it just really showed me how much God intended it to open our hearts up and to make us feel, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that it makes you feel really open and vulnerable to another person, and that should be a good thing, not a bad thing. So... <clears throat> You know, 
it's interesting because, you know, I, I, I was born in the 50s, so our, the culture, I, I kind of came out from that and then went through the 60s, so I kind of saw that. So it's a very different cultural change from going from a very, where it was the norm when I was young that people at first did not have sex before they got married. It was like, you know, it was just really um, a big deal. And then as time, as you know, through the 60s and 70s, it got to be the big free love and it's just physical and it's not a big deal kind of a thing. And I have to think, mind you, there's a lot of elements, but look at how much divorce has changed since that period of time as well, where people stop relating in a way of committing to a relationship, you know, it, and how that's affected things. So we think it sounds archaic, you know, but... It's interesting, I had to get to a place. This is, I come from a background where I'll, I'll tell you why I'm kind of passionate about this is, um, I was sexually abused as, as a kid, so, uh, by my father. And so the way, I didn't really think that that affect, affected me at all. But it callousted me, that it calloused my heart about how I related to sex, where it really, you know, didn't have an impact on me. And so I had had sex with 100 people by the time I was 16 years old. So that gives you an indication of how calloused I was in the way that I related to it. So I went from some just intense, you know, promiscuity and thinking I was a very sexual creature. I thought that that was a part of who I was and a part of my personality and a part of my value, I thought, about what made me special. And... You know, over the years I got where I started only relating to sex in relationship, but I had so much heartache in relationship, and, and finally I got to the place where um, I was married and divorced, uh, or going through, or getting ready to be, you know, divorced, and started realizing that what I was doing was not working anymore. And so I had actually never known anybody that waited till they were married to have sex. Um, but... I knew that, it's funny because I was a Christian, I was a minister, um, and I just lied about it. You know, I just had kind of like my little secret life that I didn't really talk about to anybody because, you know, I had actually had somebody confront me once in ministry that said, oh, or you're having sex, you will have to leave. And I just lied and said, okay, well, I'll stop. You know, and I didn't. Um, so it was just sort of like something that I didn't talk about. Uh, but I got to the place where what I was doing in relationships just was not working anymore. And I was just so tired of hurting. I just was like, I am so tired of, of hurting. And I knew that the Bible said, you know, to wait till you got married to have sex. But I just thought, well, that couldn't possibly be valid today. That's ridiculous. Like, the book was written thousands of years ago. It's, they don't know our culture. People don't get married till later. Back in the Bible times, they got married at 13. So this couldn't possibly relate today. <clears throat> so then I kind of got to the place where I thought, well, maybe that is the will of God, but it's too late for me. I'm 40 years old. I can't change at this point in my life. You know, it's just... Uh, um, it's just not doable. It's not, e I had thought that it was physically impossible to stop having sex. I really did. But again, I got to the place where I was so desperate that I thought, you know what, maybe. I had seen God do amazing things in the Bible when I applied other parts of, to my life. I had seen my life change and seen the fruit. And I thought, you know what, I've seen God work in other places. 
let me just see if there's some reason behind this. Let me just try, right? I mean, why not? Nothing else was working. Let me just see if there's, you know, honestly, I didn't even know if I was going to stay with it. I didn't know if it was going to do anything, if it was going to make a difference. I just thought, I, what I'm doing is not working right now, so let's try something else. And so I did. I went on a path that was one day at a time, just like in, you know, 12-step, uh, even though I wasn't a part of 12-step, still the same principle applied of one day at a time and just see, you know, if I could stay with it. You know, had a few slips, was a little challenging, didn't go perfectly for a while. But it was a growing process. And in it, I wound up finding myself and my own definition and having way better relationships because sex wasn't complicating things. Um, and then it even turned out I was abstinent for three to four years, something like that, before I met my husband, who had also been on that same path, which I was really surprised about. And we waited till our wedding night, and it was amazing. It was super romantic. So I want to talk a little bit about that as well as, because I want to talk about sex as it relates to single people and to married people both, <clears throat> and how to make it work. Because just waiting till you get married is not going to be the miracle cure for having an awesome sex life either when you're married. You know, I know a lot of people, um, <clears throat> you know, that I've heard stories, if you go in unprepared, you know, for marriage and for sex, it's still not going to go so smoothly. You have to be able to talk about things. One of the things that people don't realize is sex is about communication and relationship. It's not just about sex. A lot of people go, don't you have to try something, somebody out first before you marry them to see if they're good in bed? Yeah, I've got to take a test drive, make sure they know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is it's, it's, it's a fallacy that sex is about having certain tricks because good sex, if you're married for a long time, is not easy. We're going to talk about that. Sex is work. Oh, darn it. <laughs> you know, the movies are a lie. I'm sorry. If you've had sex for 20 years, it's not going to be a cakewalk. And the fact that people expect it to look like that hurts a lot of marriages because they don't realize it takes communication and dialogue and feeling safe enough and having practiced enough that you can talk about sex. And sex is one of the hardest things to talk about with somebody that you love. You have to be where you can take care of each other's hearts and have honest conversations about how you feel about this stuff. <clears throat> and that's why you need some other relationship skills. Let's go to, I just want to, show you this in, in the Bible. Uh, the other thing too is you shouldn't not, a, a lot of people come to me and the big question is everybody obsesses over sex being a sin. Everybody's like, it's a sin, right? It's a sin, you know? And everybody obsesses over God's not going to like me or God's going to be mad at me or something like that. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. God did not write the Bible to control you or deprive you from good stuff. He's not a big control freak in the sky that's trying to keep good things from us. He made sex. God just wants you to have an awesome sex life. And so I want to say, and I'm going to show this to you, God loves you just as much right now if you're having sex and, and outside of marriage as he would if you weren't. He loves you exactly the same. God is for you exactly the same. God will bless you in so many other areas of my life. 
I saw God work in every other area of my life except relationship. And it's not because God was punishing me. It's because I was doing things that are against the law of nature of how God set things up. So God's not hurting me. I'm just doing things that don't work in my life. It's like the law of gravity. It's some things in the way that life works are just the laws of how life works. The law of gravity, if you jump off a building, it's not God punishing you if you get hurt. It's a natural law, and you're defying a natural law, and you're trying to make it work. God loves you the same. God blessed me. I had a lot of faith when it came to my finances, which we're going to talk about next week. God prospered me like crazy. I saw God work. God's, I saw God work in doing gang ministry, even though I'm having my little secret life on the side. I still saw God work. I saw prayers answered. I saw miracles. I saw healing. God will still be there for you no matter what, and I want you to understand that. So the choice that we make is because we get where we get to choose how much we want to live of God's word. Where we do, we'll see fruit because God knows what he's talking about. In um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, it says, All things are lawful for me, <laughs> but all things are not helpful. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, but not everything's helpful. You know, in Romans, it talks about that all the time. Of Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because God is full of grace. He loves you. He's full of grace no matter what. So should you keep sinning a lot just so you'll have more grace? You could. The Bible says so. <clears throat> not everything's helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And that not un brought under the power is things that control us. You know, a lot of things that we think are, you know, awesome and represent freedom, like the free love thing, really bring bondage. I don't know anybody. Mind you, I have talks about sex with everybody. Everybody tells me their sex life stuff, so I know a lot. <laughs> you know, seriously, I know a lot, you know, a lot about that and, um, and hear a lot of stories. You know, I know people that, that do swinging and switch partners. I know people that have orgies. You know, honestly, I hear the stories. Nobody is, is having all the fun that, that, that you think they are. It's a lot of hurt and heartache. You got... Three people having sex, I'm telling you, somebody's going to get hurt in that. I've talked to enough people that have. Somebody gets hurt. Do you know what I'm saying? People just don't talk about it. People lie about this stuff. So it says, don't be brought under the power of anything. And it says in verse 13, foods for the stomach and stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ, that we are one with Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, will become one flesh. So it's what it's saying. You could do whatever you want with your body. But there's going to be hurt from bonding 
with people that you're not meant to bond with. And in the church of Corinth, this was a reproof epistle. People were having sex with their mother-in-laws that they had to have dialogue about. This is pretty crazy stuff going on in Corinth. They were, you know. So it's addressing that people were way out of control. But these are believers. They're people that walk in with God, love God. Just a lot of crazy stuff that they're doing. It says... Um, for the two, okay, in verse 17 it says, For he is, who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins what? Against his own body. It's saying, you're hurting you. You want to, everybody's so obsessed with the sin question. I'm sorry, God's saying all that it is is sin hurts you. God loves you the same, the same. You choose it because to do things differently because what you're doing is hurting you and you get it. But it's a progress. It's a process. It's not going to be that we're all walking perfectly with God like bam. It says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you're bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's basically having value for yourself, having more value for you, as well as other people. That skit, that funny skit about the love and love of God. You know, the love of God is a selfless love. And a lot of times, the way that people re relate to sex is not selfless at all. You know, it's a, it's a getting what you want to get at the expense of others. A lot of people, that's a part of why there's so much hurt sometimes, married or single, and we're going to talk about that, where it's the love of God in those relationships that we want to have, the unselfless love, not, you know, immediate gratification. Okay. Um, one of the things, too, if you're single and you're having sex, I'm just going to talk about a couple of these things and then um, it's, it steals, you, it robs you of the possibility when you get married. People have sex and then they get married and it's not really that big of a deal in a way. You know, it doesn't really, you don't really change the relationship a whole lot. Um, or it doesn't seem to be that way. Um, the other thing too is if you have sex before you get married, you bring other experiences into the bedroom. You know, you're married and you're like, oh, where'd you learn that trick from? Not from me. I'm telling you, it doesn't feel good. Picturing the person that you love and you're spending your life with doing it with somebody else is not feel good. And trust me, you will. If anybody's married and you didn't, wasn't your first time, you will think about that. And it doesn't feel good. You know? Um, also, when, when you're single, it causes you to bond prematurely, so it clouds your judgment about relationship. You feel really attached when it's probably not even warranted, you know, as far as that person goes. So you can't see red flags. You stay in relationships that are bad, that are hard to let go. <coughs> it's harder to be objective, that kind of thing. Uh, <coughs> friends with benefits, somebody always cares more. They're just lying about it, you know. Because uh, they think maybe the sex is good, then somebody will change their mind. I saw that movie, Friends with Benefits. Oh, my God, I wanted to vomit. 
You know, because that's the way that people wish that it looked like. Did you guys see that movie? Basically, it's just sort of like, really, come on. That's not even reality. You're thinking, oh, this is like the way that, that we're programmed to think it works, right? You have sex, and it's just sex, just sex. But eventually, the guy's going to really appreciate that you're so good in sex and, and how you're so awesome that eventually he's going to come your way and make a big commitment to you in the middle of, you know, it's just fantasy. Um, okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. <laughs> it says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And that's a euphemism for sex. <laughs> touch sexually. Um, it's, you know, that's the word. It's uh, aptome. Um, it means touch her sexually. It says, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let every man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. In verse 3, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise the wife to her husband. Um, and then it says, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So here's the thing. This is really interesting. You're supposed to, <laughs> this is a hard one, but when you get married, you have to have sex. You know, regularly. If you, if you, if you, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is I, you know, I, I'm a part of a, a coaching uh, network with John Townsend that's a leadership coaching, and I'm in many groups where there are married couples that have been married. These are Christian people that have been married, you know, 20, 30 years, and you, uh, it's amazing how many people aren't having sex, and it hurts their relationship. Sex is hard to, it, it, it the longer you don't have sex, the harder it is to have sex. So it's important to make sure that you're having sex. It says not to deprive one another of sex. And so it's something that you have to do purposefully and intentionally. And a lot of people, oh, that doesn't sound romantic. You know, it's when you're married, there's an amazing book. If you ever my favorite book on sex is called The Gift of Sex. It's so good if you want to read an excellent book on sex. And in that book, they talk about all the challenges that come up when you're married over the years, and then they happen for everybody. There's no such thing, no such thing of having a 20 or 30 year relationship and sex is easy. You have to work at it, it takes time, it takes dialogue. That's why it's all about communication. So you have to learn how to talk about sex, and sex is so hard to talk about because people's worth and value are attached to it. So you have to be super sensitive. You have to have a lot of love. You have to take care of one another's hearts in it and have difficult conversations with lots of love, lots of validation. Sometimes you need to even have a conversation of how do we talk about this. It's important for us to talk about this. How can we do that? so that we can be closer. How can we talk about how often? How, how can we talk about what we like in a way that's positive and affirming? Because I'm telling you, it's, it does a lot of damage to say things that are hurtful when it comes to sex. And it's hard to recover from those. It's not that you can't, 
They have stories in the gift of sex. There was a story which is um, about two people that were virgins and got married and didn't have sex for 25 years because they had sex and there was so much pain on their wedding night because nobody talked to them before they got married. So they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't ha weren't able to have a dialogue about it. And then they just gave up after a while. And so they lived in secrecy about this. And it talks about how you can even restore that. No matter what has happened or what the history's been or what you've been through, God is able to heal it, no matter what. God was able to heal me with my past. God is able to heal anything and anyone if you're willing and want to invite him into this part of your life, whether you're married or single. God is able to restore that. The temptation it talks about of, you know, it says, don't deprive one another sexually. So you have to be able to figure out. I know that sex is also, it's hard if you have strife in a relationship. So maybe you need to create more time together to have the dialogue to get where, you know, you can um, have sex. It's one of the things you can do even that they talk about as, as a, is not even think about sex as being the end goal of just getting naked and laying next to each other and just talking. You know, like sometimes if there's blocks and walls, that could be some place that helps you just to talk. Where you do, one of the things that they suggest is you do non-sexual touching. Where it's just something that is, what, do you, what feels nice to you? Where you have a day where you just go, what feels good for you? You know? It's uh, good, good stuff in the, um, because it normalizes that. Because most people don't realize that they're, that, the amount of effort that it takes, but it's important to make the effort because it keeps you connected. If you're not having sex, you will drift apart in your relationship heart-wise. It's a part of what keeps you close. You want, though, it says, like, you want to have periods because sometimes there could be times of illness, so you still want to be close physically if you can't have sex. They're just, you know, you want to be affectionate. You want to have that as a part of your relationship. This says you can take breaks like for fasting or prayer. Fasting, which we're going to talk about during the Easter season, is a time where maybe you set aside certain things that, that mean something to you as a time to devote to God. But that says you talk about it together as a couple, that you have those conversations together. And you say, okay, let's just, maybe sex would be a part of the fast, you know, for prayer and seeking God. You know, fast can be all kinds of different things. Um, because otherwise it says so that Satan doesn't tempt you there. Okay. Um, I want to talk about a couple other things, and, and I'm happy to, you know, answer questions and that kind of thing after, uh, afterwards we're, um, to, I really encourage you, if you can, if you're single, come to the dating workshop because honestly we spend a lot more time talking about this as well as the communication stuff. And if you're married, you can still come to the dating workshop. It's still good for dialogue about communication and relationship. Um, what about masturbation? You know what? The Bible doesn't say anything is a sin about masturbation. Um, I know a lot of people say that. I've read it Bible cover to cover, you know. 
uh, doesn't. It talks about lust, so it's how you relate in it, where um, I think that they connect the two, because usually it does sort of go with masturbation, where you're thinking about things that, are, that harden your heart. The, the goal is, is you want your mind to be feeding things that connect you with the person that you're married to and not and take care of your heart in that. Like thinking about other people, there's uh, one of this TV shows, again, entertainment industry makes me crazy sometimes, where they were talking about like one of the keys is to get yourself attracted to your mate is think about somebody else. Really, does that, does that sound like that helps your closeness and relationship to feel close to somebody else? You think about somebody else while you're having sex with your spouse. You know, um, it's what we do as far as in our minds goes. I think that's also as far as the <laughs> where it says the husband doesn't have power over his body but the wife. It's power sexually. It's supposed to be that the wife has the power uh, of that to please you sexually and vice versa, it says. It's supposed to go both ways here. <clears throat> that it should be a concern that, again, it's the love of God where we care about one another, you know? That that matters to us that we make each other happy um, in that and uh, that that's the goal. Pornography, one of the things that's really destructive, I believe pornography is extremely destructive. A lot of people call it a marital aid today. They say, oh, it's supposed to help your relationship. Well, there's a lot of issues with it. For one, most of the women that are, that are in pornography are super drugged up, and, uh, and it's not what you think it is behind the scenes, but um, it calluses your heart to sex. Anything that sh makes your heart calloused is not helpful to relationship and to bonding. We, again, we want sex to be about relationship. In pornography, do you ever see like close, intimate relationships about two people that really care about each other? It's about humiliation and using somebody. You know, and so it hardens your heart when it comes to sex and, and makes walls there as far as getting close goes. It's hard because it's addictive, because there's a spike, you know, because it's, it's um, <clears throat> like a peak high, but it also makes it harder to make love where it's just about relationship and not about something illicit. You know, where it's about connection, it makes it harder to connect that way. Um, also, the, you know, the bodies aren't like real people bodies, so that doesn't usually help because most of us are got real people bodies and are married to people with real people bodies, so. Uh, and if you don't now have a real people body, you will someday. <laughs> As time goes on, it'll happen. So, <laughs> so the goal is, it's good that we have sexual desires. God built that. Well, even if you're single, sexual desires are normal and not shameful to have as a single person. It's what we do with those desires as far as how we channel them. I remember as a single person what helped me to, to change my heart. Because my Talk about a lot of callous. I was a person that had a lot of callous in my heart as far as the things that I was exposed to. Is trying to reprogram the way I look at sex as being something amazing that God designed. You want to look at it that way. Like God's this beautiful thing. That sex is this beautiful thing that God designed. Our bodies are this beautiful thing that God designed. And that it's made because God wants to bless me to be really close to somebody someday. I'm single, but that God wants me. God made me this way so that I can share this with somebody that I want to spend my life with and spend my whole life with that I can be close. And to look forward to that, that that's what I did with the, with the desires and the yearnings that I had is put them into a vision of really believing God that that's what I wanted. I wanted something that felt safe, 
that it was making love and spending my life where it was the whole thing, and it, it was love. You know, that that's what God was preparing my heart. If you're single, you can prepare your heart that way. If you're married, you want to prepare your heart in terms of the love and wanting to make love and take care of this other person. Wanting to please your spouse. Wanting them to be happy. You know, asking them, what makes you feel good? I want to make you feel good. You know, what can I do? How can I be there for you? You know, you want to build each other up because people are super sensitive. Your self-worth has got a lot about sex. You know, so you don't want to be critical about people's bodies or things like that. You want to be, you know, affirming and life-giving in that, you know. And you can grow in this. Part of this is that you do, that as the years go, you want to grow as a couple in being able to talk about this <coughs> kind of thing. So, okay, guys. God made sex. We shouldn't have shame associated with sex. We should look at it as a good and a godly and an awesome thing. You know, and that God is not trying to deprive us. God wants us to have an amazing life-making love. If this is not your choice, if you're not there where this is something that's a desire of your heart, if you're single, guess what? God still loves you. And it's still going to work powerfully in so many other places in your life. The only place that will have an impact is it'll change the way that your relationships are if you're single. It will impact the way that you interact with those things, you know, in that way. But otherwise, God loves you. Everything's lawful, but not, not everything's helpful. <laughs> so the goal is that we want to be in a place that, we're, that we have safety in relationship, where there's commitment, where it's the whole package, where there's communication and love. And if you're married, it's an area, if it's not where you want it to be, to be gentle and loving and just be willing to, to, to talk about things and say, how can we make this better? How can we spend time? Set aside time, you know, for that, for, for talking about making love, you know, for making love. And uh, The Gift of Sex is a really good book. So let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your love. Um, God, I... I just your goodness is amazing. Your grace is amazing. I feel so undeserving, and I know that I am of the, of the life that you've brought me to, and your patience, God, for all those years that I struggled in this place and wanted to do everything so opposite your ways, God, uh, but you love me through it all and even brought me to the place that I could have an awesome husband and a wonderful marriage. Uh, I feel so grateful, God. Uh, thank you. And I just pray for everyone here that, that, that it's possible that wherever, wherever we are, God, that you can meet us, that you can love us, that you can be with us in it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.